0: This podcast is produced by Business Aviation Collective and sponsored by LD Aviation. Good afternoon. This is Lindsay, and I am with LD Aviation and Business Aviation Collective. Today on the podcast, we get to talk to Brian Walker. He is the Director of Operational Services at JetLinks. Hi, Brian.
1: Lindsay, how are you? Thank you so Thank much you. for having me on. I appreciate that.
0: Likewise, we're so happy to talk to you today. So Brian I I think our first question would be you know where what are you doing right now what is your role with JetLinks what do you sure. do on a day-to-day basis
1: Yeah um, it it's everyone jokes at work uh, my title today is director of, of operational services before that it was it was recruiting and and talent sourcing and I've uh, played a lot of roles so this week is yeah director of operational services and I uh, I'm responsible for our flight coordination department and our international department and we're kind of the, the dispatchers of the uh, of Jet Links. You know, we're, we're telling the crews uh, where to fly. We are uh, checking NOTAMs, checking weather. We are the defenders. I like to call us the, the defenders of the schedule. So we try to maintain the schedule integrity by ensuring, you know, we're, we're checking those NOTAMs and the weather and any kind of uh, risks that are out there. We're, we're working to mitigate and create that, uh, that seamless service for our, for our members, for our owners. And uh, for our charter customers as well.
0: That's awesome because, of course, fixing a problem prior to when it becomes a uh, hair on fire is that's, better.
1: That's, <laughs> that's right. Great. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So you work with a whole team. How many people do you have on your team?
1: Sure. So we have 14 people on our flight coordination team. And then our international team is at five at this point. So we have our international manager and then our uh, and then our four people who are, are actually doing the GENDEX and the, the, the landing rights and that. And then uh, for a flight coordination team, we have a flight coordination manager. And then from from there, we actually split that up into two separate teams. One is flight control, which deals with our day of operation. And then we have a flight planning team, which deals with all of our future domestic missions.
0: Okay, excellent. So I kind of heard in there. So you've got an international team. You're doing international operations in-house. So you're not using a service provider. In in most cases,
1: in most cases, correct. With uh, with those big ones, we just did a trip out to China we used uh, ITPS. They helped us out in a huge way for that. So yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But we have a lot of amazing expertise that came from Meridian a few years back. We acquired them and we were able to bring on, luckily enough, we were able to bring on some amazing people from there who knew about flying in Europe, knew about flying in Africa, Asia. And we were just open arms, like, come on in, come on in, folks. We would we would love to have you, and they have done a spectacular job on top of the uh, the other two uh, folks who were already at Jetlinks, and uh, were just incredible to begin with. So this just added on to that amazing team.
0: That's so cool. I, I love international, actually, and, and I think it's really great. The more dispatchers, scheduling dispatchers, that can learn how to do international, I mean, it just helps the career. I find it incredibly interesting. It's not just the same domestic flying that we uh might have been doing over and over again so
1: absolutely that's, absolutely
0: that's great so okay that how did you even get attached to aviation like is it oh. something that's been a lifelong dream for you
1: it, it's uh i wouldn't consider it lifelong my uh i remember when i was a little kid my grandparents my family's from new jersey and we moved to kentucky before i was born so my our grandparents would fly in and i remember going to the airport And watching them come in. So that's when I started liking airplanes. I I just thought they were just cool. But then when I was a sophomore in high school, it was the summer between my sophomore and my junior year. My mom looked at me because I was sitting on the couch loafing around as teenagers (laughs) would do at the time. And um, the town I grew up in, in in Kentucky, it was one of those where you, you either escaped or you got sucked into it. And my mom saw that. And she said, you need to you need to get a job, and you need to do something that's gonna help you move move out of here. So uh, we had a small little airport close by. so I said, hey, let's I'll just take a take a journey over there and see what they're up to. And i I walked into the uh, to the fBO, knew nothing about aviation other than, you know, I would be the one who looks up if a jet flew over. And uh, there was this old, just crotchety, angry man in there, and his name was. Merv Snow. I'll never never forget him. He was a retired Continental Airlines captain who happened to just just completing the last part of his his life just uh just running the FBO and uh he's he hired me on and that's where I started fueling up maybe one plane every two weeks because it was just that <laughs> that remote. Yeah. Uh, but I did a lot of grass mowing. I ran on the runway to stay in shape. Uh so I did a whole lot of that and then I'd leaf through controller magazine every day and uh and learn that way. So that's how I got in. And then I realized I wanted to be I wanted to be an airline pilot just like old Merv, so I, I was I think it was a senior we had a we had a class trip to Washington D.C. So I flew on a 737 200. It was U.S. Air, and I was like I, I'm gonna be a U.S. Air captain on a 737 200. Yeah, I'm like there's no doubt about it. Without knowing anything else about the airline industry, that's that's exactly what I wanted to do. So there is uh, there's a college in Kentucky Eastern Kentucky University amazing aviation program even back in 1996 and that's where i got on with uh, eastern kentucky university as a uh, as a freshman and then quickly realized that it is expensive to fly and uh, <laughs> yes. we yes we we did not my my parents weren't big fans on student loans so i was working and, and trying to pay for everything at the same time and i just couldn't afford it i got 40 hours in and I I realized that I wasn't going to be able to continue to fly, but I always loved breaking out the sectionals, plotting the you know plotting the course, checking off my checkpoints and figuring out the wind direction. Always loved that part, so kept that in the back of my head. And then we had Bluegrass Airport just just up the road on I seventy five, so was able to uh, go over there and and got a job with Air Wisconsin throwing bags on planes, checking people in, and then worked for just a, a number of airlines as I you know, as I went through college. So that, that at least helped pay for college, which was great. I, I, I realized, you know, this, this airline business and the operation side is kind of fun. And then I, um, I think I was working for express jet at, at, towards the last part of my, uh, and I think it was just after college. And then I started talking to some of the dispatchers on the phone. I was like, man, what do you do? And like, oh, we tell pilots what to do. It's amazing. You know, we tell them, you know, where they're going, how high they're flying, how much gas they're taking all this stuff and I'm like how do I how do I do that I want to do that right now so they talked to a couple of those folks and uh, like you gotta get your dispatch license and then luckily enough a lot of lucky things happened we had a school in fact I think they're Flamingo Air now up in Cincinnati but sure. they were yeah. called Air- Airline Ground Schools back in the day back in the early 2000s and uh, got my dispatch license and got on with Com Air as a dispatcher and just had a blast loved it Loved every wow. every second of it, and we had a had a little bit of a bankruptcy with Delta at the time. This was like 2005, uh, okay. it's either 2005 or 2006. So I uh, then became a ramp manager there at CVG. So commuting back and forth from Lexington to CVG the whole time, and I uh, was able to do that. And then um, cool. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, got onto the part one thirty five side. The company called TMC Jets in two thousand six. Sorry, it's a long story. It's just it great. You know, nope,
0: one thing I, don't I have more together. questions along after you're done. I have all yeah, of questions.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> so with with TMC, you know, we we used to work with Jetlinks all the time. We would do trips for them. They would do trips for us. And then one day Jetlinks called, and it was it was a complete utter like I can't believe Jetlinks just called. We we've got to make this move. We've got to go to. We've got to go to Omaha and, and make this happen. And that happened in, in 2019. So.
0: So four Good years. Journey. You've been there about four years.
1: That's right. That's right. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. Quick I, I, question. What was sure. getting your dispatch license like with airline? You said it was airline ground schools or video air? Yeah. It was,
1: yeah, <laughs> it was uh, they made it extremely easy to do because there was a lot of remote learning to start we met on the weekends up in, up in Cincinnati. It was actually, it was right by CVG at the time. So Northern Kentucky, and uh, we would have two it was either one or two days of classroom training. And we did that for, I think it was six weeks. And then we took our, the, the oral exam, then the practical. And and that was that. And it was funny because the instructor was a Comair SOC duty manager. So this was perfect for him. Cause it was like, I just created this pipeline into Comair. air. We're never going to yeah. be short staffed ever again you know, we have right. you know, people just ready to come in. And so it was, it was, they made it extremely easy to get in And it, again, it's just up the road from where I was living and it worked out perfectly.
0: That's great. Cause I think a lot of people get a little bit nervous and, um, overwhelmed, like they're afraid it's going to be really hard and they're, they're not going to be able to pass. I mean, yeah. it is a hard test, but that's good to know that the teachers, the instructors are making it easy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's their job. Their job is there to support you and uh, getting them uh, getting you prepped for taking the, you know, the ATP, getting you prepped for, you know, working through the uh, the weight and balance problems that you'll see. And that they were amazing at that. And I've yet to run into an instructor, a dispatch instructor who who wants to make it tough. Everybody I've ever met is always like, hey, we're here to help you elevate up and, and get this done. With that being their sole mission, you know, that's they make it seem a lot easier than it looks on the outside looking in.
0: Well, very good to know. Maybe that'll inspire a couple people to go out and get their dispatch
1: license. That would be huge.
0: It yeah. can only help. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. 100%.
0: So then you dispatch for Calm Air for airline, which is, of course, quite a bit different than Part 135. Yep. Quick question. Did you ever get to do any, like, cool trips, non-rev trips?
1: You know, I used... Riding trips? You know, I had I it was amazing because we had jump seat privileges, so I would jump seat up to Cincinnati and back to Lexington, and that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. On top of that, we had to do five hours of jump seating per year. It, it, I happened to get that done pretty quickly, thank goodness, before the, that bankruptcy hit. But I flew down to it was Miami, so we flew Lexington to either Miami or Fort Lauderdale, flew down with them, and then and then flew back to to Cincinnati and. The crew on board was just showing me like hey you know when you guys are doing your releases you know, you've got your fuel burn this is how we're calculating it here and it put so much it put the why into what what i was doing and this is why it's important you all are checking notums and we're partners you know in this and and this is why we call and ask for maybe a little bit more extra fuel or this is why we want to add an alternate it was fantastic you know other than that i met my wife in college and when I was working for the airlines there, we would just take off to Chicago or Boston or, uh, you know, we would, yeah, we would have, we would have fun little trips like that. So it was definitely a a fun perk, especially in in college to say, Hey, I got a buddy pass. Come on, let's go to, let's go to Chicago for the day.
0: That is so cool. Oh, very cool. So now you switched over from, you went from airline over to part 135 dispatch. Anything that is like your favorite about 135 or 121, maybe something you miss?
1: Yeah, I, on the 121 side, I definitely missed the jump seating, which we don't, we don't get to do as much. I mean, we, you know, if we do fly, we can always come up and, and chat with the crew, but the 135 side is exciting on the operation side because I was able to take the 121 principles and bring them over to TMC. So it was, Hey, uh, you know, where do I go to check the NOTAMs? They're like, we don't check NOTAMs. That's what our pilots do. Oh, okay. Well, what about the weather? Well, we don't do that. Our pilots do it. So I'm like, well, what if we started doing that to help them out? And then all of a sudden I'm checking NOTAMs for airports I've never heard of before. Um, I'm checking weather for very remote places that that's what was exciting about it. You know, I didn't dispatch any trips into Aspen. So learning about Aspen operations, learning about mountainous airports and the performance about, you know, of a beach jet or a, uh, or a Hawker 800, learning those little intricacies that I knew all about the CRJs and the CRJ 700s, but never about beach jets, never about hawkers. And then all of a sudden saying, hey, you know, I I understand what, you know, max takeoff weight is. I understand what v speeds are. What if we started to do that and help the crew out, but not only help the crew out, but be able to look at trips months in advance and say, hey, can we fly from Palwaukee to Teterboro with five passengers on a beach jet? Okay, great. Now, can we do it on a wet runway? Can we do it with slush? And now all of a sudden we are starting to taking those principles. We're starting to look at trips way ahead in the future. And then when a crew gets their trip sheet from a trip we did, uh, you know, we worked a month ago. It's already put together. It's Mm -hmm. been vetted numerous times and we've got all the contingencies planned out. We've got plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And now the customer is seeing that like, Hey, look, wet runway in Palwaukee. You've got a trip in a month. If, if it's going to rain that day, let's use Midway, let's use Waukegan. And they're like, wow. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you for the, thank you for looking at it. And then the crews are getting a a completed trip sheet, which not only uh, helps them out, but it improves that pilot retention because they they can go to bed knowing that, Hey, these guys got my back. You know, it's not going to, I'm not going to get a trip sheet tomorrow with Tita bro to San Francisco on a, on a beach jet without a fuel stop or two. So that makes them more at ease as well. So multiple benefits to that. And that's another reason why I think that the dispatch license is extremely valuable on the 135 side, and, and I try to promote that as much as possible. Like, if you get your dispatch license, you come to 135, you're gold. I mean, you are, you are going to be able to elevate so quickly in this, in this industry, and then bring those principles in, and, and again, pilot retention, mitigate risk, improve the service level. There's so many things that you can do with that.
0: I totally agree, and I love that 121 mentality brought into the 135 and Part 91 also. You no, know, you may not technically have to have these rules and and processes in pra- place, but
1: mm-hmm. they're
0: only making things better. And why don't why wouldn't we make things better? Percent. Um, I find that sometimes, at least in one, to, uh, sorry, ninety one, mm-hmm. we get a lot of pushback. You know, well, why do I want to learn that? Just like you said, what? Who cares? I'm not the pilot. The pilot should take care of that. But right. it's just, you know, it's not like it's your job versus it's my job. This is a team. Let's get this whole trip taken care of correctly, um, on time as much as possible. And mm-hmm. and that's the way to do it. Everybody on the same team. looking
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. And the crew and the 91 crews love the fact that you've got their back. If, if they, if they have a 16 hour duty day coming up, is it, yes, it's legal. Um, but now also is it safe? You know, yes. what are we doing to, to mitigate that? Do we have, you know, are there crew rooms set up while they're, while they're hanging out? Um, also we partner up with uh, Polaris um, yeah. and use their focus products so we can run a fatigue, uh, fatigue score on a part 91 trip, just like we do the 135s. And then when we go to the crew, we say, Hey, look, you've got a, you got a 17 hour duty day coming up or this trip to the trip that we did to China. Like we've got a long duty day for you. What are your thoughts? Cause here's what we're seeing. And here's what we would like to do to help you out, uh, along the way. And they're like, wow, this is incredible. We, uh, we were just going to muscle through it. Like, no, there's no need. There's no need. We've we've set parameters up uh, to mm-hmm. help you out and to and to check everything along the way.
0: That's great. Now, do you guys use the focus, uh, like the flight risk part of it? Where, yes. yeah, I love 100%, that.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. In fact, it changed our and I, I I could talk about it later, but it changed our it changed the entire way we did uh, our operation. Um, we went from taking uh, hours and hours to go through like 80 legs a day and 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 create those uh those mitigation uh what we're going like to do for the risk and like the threat scores oh, and we we God. narrowed that down from from eight hours down to 30 minutes we can knock out 80 legs in 30 minutes it's yeah. absolutely incredible and it's all because of that flight risk uh the flight risk program the the fatigue uh mm-hmm. program that they have and i've i've told i've told that to them so many times and i i just can't mm-hmm. stop I, I i'm not trying to promote anybody Uh, it literally has made our lives so much easier
0: i agree we have a couple of clients on it as well and it's Mm -hmm. a touch of a button you know you click it it goes out picks up all that information brings it back and highlights the stuff that it thinks is it and you think are going to be a problem i love it i agree yeah steve and his group are really awesome
1: (laughs) absolutely 100 percent.
0: oh very cool well so you do a lot of, or before I guess the job that you had right now, you were in talent acquisitions. Yeah. So, what was that like? So, you got a chance to talk and do a bunch of interviews, I imagine, and and pick out great talent.
1: Yeah. I did, um, I did sourcing. So, I was out there trying to, uh, first of all, I was scared to death because I'd never done this before. I've been, okay. operations, throwing back, either throwing bags or in operations my entire life. So, um, I, I got the opportunity to do this, and I was scared to death. But it was it was basically going out, trying to find qualified PICs, and then enticing them obviously to come to JetLink. So I got to talk a lot, which which my family will tell you that I'm I'm really good at talking, <laughs> and uh, and got to tell them about these these exact kind of benefits. Like, hey, if you come to JetLinks, you've got a dedicated international team. You've got. Uh, people who understand what notems are you got people that understand what TAFs and METARs are we're, we're going to be running trips way ahead of time so you don't have to worry about it we can even follow your flight plan if you need us to if you're busy we'll order your crew meals follow your flight plans we'll have it all set to go so that made it so much easier to talk about and then and then you add on you know the, the benefits of you know the salaries that we're offering and schedules and that and then I got comfortable with it really quickly and it was it was having me it was being able to sell what we had created from 2019 on up and that since uh, i was a part of that it was it was easy to talk about it's like oh, i get to tell you about what we did this is great that makes me happy this, that's soulful right there that's good yeah stuff.
0: and now so, you get to actually do it
1: exactly but- exactly and then so yeah it was it was fun it was a great opportunity to learn a different side of the house because i didn't want to I was always scared that I was a one trick pony. That's all I know is operations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was great to great to learn that, that part of it.
0: That's great. That's great. So how about if, what if you were talking to maybe a young person or perhaps somebody who's not in aviation, but wants to get there, what advice do you have for them? Are there any, yeah. What advice do you have?
1: Yeah. So uh, I always tell, I always tell students and, and and people that are that are much much younger than me that uh, aviation provides opportunity. And number one, we always need leaders in this uh, in this industry. We need people who who want to come in and and continue to uh, to to elevate. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to get into um, accounting, there's a job in aviation for that. If you want to get into culinary arts, there's a job in aviation for that. There there you cannot name a job out there in the non-aviation sector that aviation can't provide and being a pilot is fantastic and that's promoted all the time, but there's so many different opportunities as well. Operations, you know, again, the, the service side, um, the, you know, accounting, marketing, you name it. Um, there's so many other opportunities other than just being a pilot and we need pilots. So don't get me wrong. You know, if you're, if you're up for being a pilot, we're all about that too. But we, but I also like to say, Hey, let's stay in touch because, when you start to reach that 1500 hour mark, I want to be the first one in your ear telling you about what opportunities we have available for you. But you know what? Also, if flying 135-91 isn't your thing, I've got a contact. So you, you and I, Lindsay, have, have people that we know and we yeah. can put you in touch with them. So Definitely. it's it's all about not being selfish and just seeing, just wanting that person to grow mm-hmm. as an individual. And that, uh, that has been an amazing white bulb that that's gone off in my head over the past, you know, 10 years is, Hey man, you've gobbled all this stuff up. Now it's time to, to give back. And that to me is important about giving back is, you know, Hey, if you want to work for Jetlinks great if not, that's okay too. Here's some people I know that can help you out and get you in the right direction.
0: That's awesome. In fact, I have to, um, I'll admit to everybody that I borrowed or, or, uh, acquired one of, uh, Brian's employees and, I know it was a really hard move for her, but we are so thankful. And Brian's always been a really good, big supporter of her. And anyway, I'm just super thankful for Linda. You taught her a ton. She came to us and she's just spectacular. So I think she's a really good example of the mentorship that you provide and just overall great promotion of other people without thinking about yourself.
1: That's fantastic. You know, it's, it's important to celebrate the success of others more than you celebrate your own. And, yeah. and that's, and that's also what's been able to get us great talent to come into jet Links, Cause my favorite basketball team in the world is university of Kentucky Wildcats basketball. And they have a coach named John Calipari, and he is the one and done coach Bring in great talent and I'll get you to the NBA. So I, I started that mentality at uh, TMC jets up in Northern Indiana where we didn't have uh, an aviation school close by and Purdue was kind of close by, but those, those guys are going to like Airbus and Boeing and that they're yeah. there, you know. So you have to bring in amazing talent and then teach. And so the the promise to them is, I want to keep you moving up. And back at TMC, it's if that's what TMC, great. And if not, that's okay too. We know it. We know many people in this industry. We will help you move up. Just give me one. Give me two. Give me three years of just amazing attitude, amazing effort, and we will. I promise you, you will keep moving up. And that's that has helped. Uh, that has helped out so much. And we have we have seen so many great success stories with that that mentality is just caring more about others than you do for yourself, and it's yeah, it's it's simple.
0: That's awesome. How about um, maybe I'll switch kind of the other way. Any sure. challenges or stumbling blocks along the way, either in yeah. school or
1: yeah, if you if you're not stuck somewhere along the way, I don't I don't think you're you're really trying hard enough. <laughs> um, so I think money was my first stuck. Uh, obviously, sure. but, you know, you just figure out something else to do with that. The The mentality that I had before Comair was about safety. You know, we always watched the safety videos, and we always did the, hey, make sure, you know, you're putting the cones in the right spots when you're doing that. You know, you're, you're breezing through it just to get it done. And then uh, in, in August of 2006, Comair had a very, very, very bad crash. Uh, it was Comair fifty one ninety one, and yeah, I uh, I was living near Lexington. I was in a little town called Georgetown, just just north of Lexington. And I got a call from our dispatch team, and they said, "Hey, man, um, there's a plane that went off the run or went off the taxiway. Can you go check it out?" Nobody's answering the phone, so I go to the airport and then find out that some really bad things had happened. Yeah. So I worked Whoa. I worked that with Comair, and that was a, a ma- and it, That wasn't a stumbling block at all. That was just a very extremely difficult time. Yeah. And, um, but I was able to pull a lot of, a lot of positive things out of, out of that. Um, my, uh, my, my, my thought process on, on safety, uh, changed number one immediately. And sure. that's where I, I started to get into the, Hey, we're doing operations to protect the lives on board this aircraft. Mm-hmm. We're doing, we're checking NOTAMs to make sure, uh, that, that things are going to be safe when we land or when we take off. We're checking the weather. Yeah. We're doing this for a reason. So all of a sudden that why started to e- emerge from from what we were doing, and that and that was part of the part of my my leadership style was to explain the why. You know, I know that, I know checking you know notams for ninety airports right now is a bummer, but this is why we're doing it. You know, continuing along the way, it also was learning in the one thirty five side because there uh, at, at TMC at the time there weren't many good ways to learn other than sitting there watching somebody else do it. Right. So uh, getting to learn on the one thirty five, I think we all can can benefit from from better training to put that together. And that, uh, again, trying to take a stumbling block and make that better down the road uh, was a key part. Yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, those were the two biggest things that I, I always, always fall back to and and also look back and say, Hey, this is why it changed up my thought process of, of what I do and how I lead and how we, uh, how we coach and, and mentor.
0: I think that's so interesting. I mean, of course, if you're involved in an accident like that, safety has got to be foremost in your mind going forward. Yeah. Um, and I think well, a lot of us who haven't, I have not experienced anything like that. We we probably tend to forget or we probably tend to think, oh, why, are, you know, why are we doing all these extra things? And why do we have to run the flight risk or the frat, whatever it is that you're doing in your department? And you, you tend to find it or think that it's un- unnecessary. But you're right. That's the why. It's so that we don't have those accidents um, and we make sure that everybody's safe, crew and yeah. passengers. Uh, Absolutely. That's
1: Absolutely. a really good point. Absolutely. And when we and when we talk to crews at, at, at Jet Links, it's always an ask, never never a tell. It's, hey, we got a new trip added. What are your thoughts? What do you think? Let's go through this together. And if you're not comfortable with it, we're not doing it. It's, yeah. it's, it's as simple as that. And uh, that that, to me, makes so much of a difference. Compared to, you know, back in like 2008 when we were when we were doing things, uh, you know, uh, on the 135 side, just a different mentality altogether.
0: Well, and that's the teamwork kind of thing. Mm. And I think that you see it a little bit more in European operations where mm. they're usually doing all of their operations, international and domestic, right in house. And here in the mm. United States, it's less noticed or less common to do all of that in house, Hundred percent, usually reaching out to somebody else. I love that, though. I enjoy doing that type of work. So,
1: good deal. <laughs> anyway. Good.
0: Well, Brian, it's been so great talking to you, and I really Thank think you so made much. some really good points. I mean, just for those of you that are listening, get your dispatch license. Just like Brian said, it's not that bad. They want to help you, and safety. Make sure safety is foremost on your mind as well. But there's a reason why we're doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A hey, quick plug. I was able to get a grant through the uh, state of Nebraska. My whole team is getting their dispatch licenses for free uh, through the University of Nebraska, Omaha. There are grants out there through each state in the United States that, is, that are more than happy to give money. So if any questions at all, please feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to help that process out. And if you can get your team their dispatch license for free, they will love you forever.
0: That is great. So if anybody did want to reach out to you, how do we contact you?
1: Uh, two ways you can do it uh, through my email at jetlinks it's brian.walker at jetlinks.com and it's l-i-n-x and then also my uh, my other email is brian g. walker uh, s-b-n sierra bravo november at uh, outlook.com
0: all right perfect well sounds good I'm sure people will be reaching out and I really appreciate your time today and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon
1: Lindsay thank you so much I greatly appreciate you you too all right
0: for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes and check out our website for up and coming podcasts. This has been a production of the Business Aviation Collective sponsored by LD Aviation.